Welcome again to another episode of the 4Q podcast, one of our final ones of December for 2020. Uh, It's been a hell of a year and I thought it would be more than appropriate to talk to Andrew Ian Pope, who's actor, filmmaker, script writer and support worker, quite a mix in there, about how on earth does he balance having a family and pursuing a career that is so uncertain? I think this is a great chat for anyone because we're now more than ever for a lot of people, we are living in uncertain times. And so I really quizzed Andrew on how does he balance all of those things with uncertainty? Uh, there's some amazing gems in this and really stick around for the rear line towards the end because he's got some great wisdom and chats. Um, and yeah, you'll hear some amazing gems come from this. So I cannot wait to share this with you. I'll be quick because this was a little bit of a longer one, but I'm telling you stick around and it's a good one. All right, let's get into it. Andrew Ian Pope. Hey, I'm Sheena Shuey. I'm a registered social worker and host of the 4Q podcast. I'm passionate about normalizing, not pathologizing life, and that's not easy. So each episode, I have amazing guests on to share the messy, beautiful ups and downs of life in four key questions with tips and tricks along the way. There are moments in life where you can embrace your story and understand that it's okay not to feel okay sometimes. So let's get into it. This is the 4Q podcast. Hey, Andrew, how's it going? Hey, Shane's good. How are you? Good. Um, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Um, I know we've known each other for many years now and I think anyone who knows Andrew Pope knows that you've just got this very unique and like rambunctious and like energy that just sucks you in. So I'm so happy that you're here because I, people just need to experience that. Well, that's a lot of pressure, but I appreciate it. <laughs> no pressure at all. I'm just really happy to, to be here because, you know, this year, like we've just been so disconnected from everyone, so it's good to connect with old friends again, right? Indeed, indeed, it's important, it's um, essential. <laughs> exactly. So, look, let's just jump straight into the four, the first R of my four R's of this four R full Q podcast. So, first R is just reflecting on, yeah, who you are and what you're about. So, I'll just read your bio for those who don't know you. So, um, Andrew is a father to three and a husband to one, you know, not, not polygamous. <laughs> yep. Um, yeah. Obsessive, creative, um, and he just deals with the challenges of navigating the real world whilst living largely in the realm of imagination and creation. So he's a support worker, worker a social worker, um, empowerer of, I cannot say that word, empowerer of those I meet or he meets <laughs> as he as best that he can and he's committed to the magical expansive art of filmmaking and the lifelong journey that you know filmmaking entails so um tell me more about that tell me more about you and who you are 
Okay, well, um, I mean, we could go through each of those points uh, if you think that's uh, a good idea. Yeah, well, um, like being a filmmaker, so, husband, you know, all of that, like, yeah, that's that's who you are, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, uh, well, I'm, I'm many things, um, <laughs> uh, uh, depending on the moment, as I think we all are. Um, and that's what's kind of cool about being a human is, and also about filmmaking and acting is that you get to, you get to really um, explore uh, the different uh, sides of the human psyche. And I mean, you know, get really, really get your hands dirty with it. Um, and you get like a safe space to kind of, to do that, um, to be a saint or a monster and everything in between. Um, so films always really excited me. Um, I've always, always wanted to be an actor uh, professionally. Um, and, um, but then as I've, as I've delved into acting, I have found over the years that it's actually the entire process of, of, of making a film, um, which is just, it's amazing. It's, it really is a magical, a magical um, process. Um, and I'm so far from being any good at it, really. Um, but, um, you know, um, it's, I it's, that's, that's a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you very much. Um, hopefully, I mean, well, inevitably, you practice something, you get better at it. Um, it doesn't, you know, doesn't seem to be many exceptions to that rule. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, so filmmaking is, is, is wonderful because it's collaborative and I'm, I'm a very social person. It's an opportunity to connect with people um, and to have meaningful creative connections with people, which I think some, some of the best connections you can have with someone is when you're creating together. Mm. It's an opportunity to, um, to, to, I suppose empower is, is, a, is a big word because it's like everyone has their skill set whether it's acting or lighting or sound or um, set design or costume, makeup uh, or writing or um, sound design. I mean, it's just... I don't... I can make... I get to be a part of, um, of a team, of a family. And your, your face is just frozen. I'm just going to keep talking. I'm going to keep rambling. Yeah, uh, your, your face, face is frozen, frozen I'm, I'm as well, going, but I'm that's okay. Take opportunity. You cannot interrupt me. <laughs> yeah, no, keep going. Like, I love that. Yeah, you were you can hear me though? too, but that's all good. Okay, we're back. We're back. No, but I won't ramble on too much about filmmaking. It's, it's fantastic, as you can see it. Yeah. It sort of lights my fire. Um, and... Um, uh, what were the other ones we had? Their father, father of, of three. Uh, I think used the word rambunctious was a useful word. Kids. Um, <laughs> yep, a husband to one can just handle the one, the one woman. Um, uh, so that's that's good. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. Um, I guess one of the things I find so interesting about who you are is um, so one. I guess staying grounded in the acting sphere, because you are sort of dabbling, like you mentioned, in the human psyche. So I think when you dabble in those sort of areas, it's good to know who you are in that sphere. But then I guess what I find interesting is the di dichotomy that you have between, and, and this is just my assumption, so you can correct me if I'm wrong, you know, I don't want to seem like that, but I can imagine it's very different working with filmmakers and actors and people who perhaps love the stage and love, you know, that area compared to 
you know, working as a support worker with people who maybe have extra needs, you know, I can just imagine how, like, it must be such a shift working in two such very different areas. Yeah, they are very, very different. I'll be honest with you, um, as much as I love and enjoy um, being a support uh, worker for, um, you know, people with mental and physical disabilities or whether it's disadvantaged youth and stuff, like, that's not a creative, I mean, anything can be an art form if you get good enough at it. Um, but it's, it's not, it's not as blatantly creative, mm. um, as, um, as, as filmmaking is. Um, but it, it taps into another side, as I said, you know, we're, we're many things. Um, and there's it, another side to me, um, which is, um, which is about people, which is generally about people and, and, um, and being empowering and, and um, you can you can sneak in, you can sneak in artwork in in there, you know. When you're dealing with with uh, with an individual, you're getting to know them, you're building rapport, and you're trying to find out what's what sets their world on on fire, what, what makes them excited. And generally, it is something creative, and that might be a sport, or it might be, um, you know, um, it could be anything. But you're helping them to get excited. That's one of the things I love about film as well. You know, is that you're helping other people. Um, facilitating their excitement and their passion. So, like, there is overlap, but they are very distinct. Uh, one is is distinctly creative, and one is um, one is distinctly creative and and collaborative, and the other is um, uh, it's distinctly collaborative um, with, with a bit of creativity in there, I, I guess. Um, I reckon it's real. If I if I from an outsider's perspective, it's like. This creativity is is this fantasy world, and then on the other hand, you're dealing with the day in day out realness of somebody's life, and I actually mm. think that those two really complement each other because you cannot pretend to know a part of the human psyche that you either haven't observed or experienced. So I think it probably actually really benefits you compared to, you know, someone who may not have been experienced in the real world as much, if you know what I mean. Uh, when, um, okay, I think I know what you're saying, <laughs> but I'm not quite sure. Can you, can you repeat that one more time, please? Well, I, what I'm trying to get at, it's like, I'll give you an example, okay? So I'll give you an example of two different types, types of counsellors, for example. This is my sphere, coming back to my sphere. Yeah, there yeah are, awesome. There are people who have experienced real and genuine pain and either um, or experienced their own mental illness, whether it's themselves or they've taken care of a loved one or someone like that with that experience. And because of that, that makes them a really good counsellor because they understand um, they've been there, they've done that, they get it, right? Compared mm -hmm. to maybe someone from a more privileged background who's never really... Mm -hmm experience that it's going to take them i'm not saying that they can't get there but it just takes yeah. them that little bit longer to really understand what that person's going through because they haven't been there or done that um no, so I that's what so. i'm i'm thinking with yours is that you're working with people like well in the trenches of real pain and real life and so to bring that into your acting because you see pain and you see real life you know like it's not like you're coming from a sphere where all you do is acting and you don't get to experience the real world. Do you get what I'm saying? 
Yeah, absolutely. I think you said that really well. And I've seen that, um, I've seen that in real time. Um, so, I mean, I, I'm, I'm very lucky, um, uh, you know, um, lower middle class upbringing, um, uh, loving parents. Um, I mean, super loving parents. Um, no massive traumatic events. I mean, look, trauma is a, is a subjective experience. We've all had traumatic events. Um, and some people find some things much more traumatic than others do. You might think someone who, I've spoken to people who were um, abused in ways that uh, make me shudder. And they're so resilient, some of them. And they're just like, they, they, they didn't, they integrated it, somehow successfully integrated it into their, into their being and utilized it. Um, and, and then, you know, you meet other people who've gone through the same thing or something much less, and they're still holding on to it. They're still, it's still wounding them. Um, well, we all, we all have those, those things. Um, but to, to get back to what you were saying about, about the overlap there, absolutely. Um, being in the, in the trenches, so to speak. I mean, yeah, it helps with acting. Of course, every life experience helps with, helps with acting mm. because you can draw upon it. But also, um, acting and being in the psychic realm of, of fantasy helps with, um, I find, with dealing with, with empowering people. Because when you're going to use that cliche word of empowering, I use it a lot because it's the best, it's the best word I can think of, basically. What am I talking about? Talking about the ability to help someone or assist someone to generate a possibility that is greater than the one they have experienced thus far. That's a psychic process. That's a process of imagination before creation. They have to see the possibility first before mm. there's any hope in, in my humble, humble opinion. Yeah. Um, so if you can help someone to, to imagine uh, you know, a different reality for themselves. That's the first step. Um, uh, you know, without that, if you don't believe it, um, if someone, you know, you're wasting your time and they're wasting their time. Um, you know, yeah, so hundred percent agree. Yeah. But I've seen, go back to what you said. I've, I've seen examples. So like, uh, you know, I, I had a lucky upbringing, um, but, you know, I also in school decided to, to hang with some um, people who, who were not as lucky as I was. Good people, naughty people, naughty but nice, um, you know, and um, let's just say my grades went down for the last two years of school, but my, my social um, life went up mm. and, you know, and no regrets, no regrets, you know, and, and you know, we did naughty things and, and I saw a side uh, which was, I'd say, you know, it was, if we're, we're going to go by class structure, it, you know, I was saying I was low, lower middle class, it was certainly lower class, you know, and, and the beauty of that is that then when I had to deal with people, you know, uh, uh, as a social worker, and I'm picking up some young fellow who's just done his first in big boys prison. And um, the first time I met him, he was face down in the mud with two cops on his back and he's yelling out the most despicable profanities you can think of. Mm. Um, and, you know, I was able to connect with this guy and not do things by the book. Because the problem is that people who wrote the book don't know what the fuck they're talking about. <laughs> if, I, if, I'm, if I'm blatantly honest. Um, because it comes to that real world experience. You know what I mean? Like, mm. I mean, there's elements of truth, you know, in, in, in empirical studies and stuff. But 
it's got to be backed up in reality. And I've, I've seen this young fella who's, I do things not by the book. I won't elaborate because what the things I did weren't, weren't by the book. So I'm, I'm yeah, no need way. to go into but, detail. <laughs> but they worked and I built rapport and then I saw other, other fellas rock up, you know, with a mental health degree and, um, Hey Michael, how are you mate? Nice to meet you. I'm, and, um, I don't know if I'm allowed to swear or not, but it's yeah, you go for it. F- who the fuck is this cunt? He looks at me and says, and this guy, oh, shrinks, you know, away and never came back. Or this kid's taking swings at his grandmother the second time I meet him, mm. you know. And, and I have to get in the way of that and, you know, physically deal with that. And meanwhile, the mental health worker, you know, freaked out and never came back again. It's like you've you got you to gotta have some, you've got to be able to get your hands dirty a, a little bit. So, yeah, I don't know. I'm sort of just picking, ram, rambling here, but... No, that's but I, that's the thing. I think, yes, that, that beautiful balance of realness and then the fantasy of hope, like that is, you need to be able to straddle both, I think, for, for sure. So, but I do want to bring us back to like redefine because we've heard how amazing you are and how how it is such a journey of balance, <laughs> you know, yeah, a boost your ego like I need like to, that. but, um, you know, like uh, balancing, you know, these these realities. So let's take it back a notch and go, you know, like redefining moments, a kind of, that's the second R for us is redefine. So I'm, I'm curious, like what redefined new perspective or meaning in the way you see life? Um, well, <sighs> parenthood, really. Parenthood. I mean, it depends on when you say redefined. So, like, you know how, have you ever heard the term you have a breakdown before you have a breakthrough sometimes? Mm. You know, before you have a big breakthrough, there's a breakdown. I'm a big believer in that. And um, I'm a self-destructive individual. Uh, I will freely admit that. I'm my own worst <laughs> enemy. But I think that we are all our own worst enemy. If you subscribe to the belief that, you know, the human, the way that you can, the, your attitude is going to dictate your ability to create and perceive opportunities, then you're always your own worst enemy. And um, as I said earlier, I, I had a, always had a desire to be an actor, um, but I never pursued it. Um, I, I, I sort of flunked out of the last few years of high school um, spent most of my time doing odd jobs, smoking copious amounts of uh, marijuana, um, <laughs> which uh, I'm not against the you know moderate use of, of um, self-medication, um, but copious is the active word there. And just hanging out with people who, who weren't benefiting themselves or myself, long story short, it wasn't until I had my first child that I suddenly realized that, see, I was doing what I've been, what I'm still doing now as my day job for the most part, which is disability work and enjoying it and loving it and being successful at it. All of a sudden it hit me because I, I, as soon as I had my kid, I, I dropped all my, most of my bad habits anyway, or at least I moderated them. And then I found myself in a situation where I'm like, Hey dude, is this what you want to do for the rest of your life? Like, do you want to do this job and this job only for the rest of your life? And the answer is no, I, I want to, I want to make films in a big way. Okay. This is, I'm just going to take the dialogue that I had inside my head. Yeah. This is the, my first 
real bout of what I would what I would term like a, a de really depressive state uh, of self-loathing. And um, I was like, hey, so you want to do this? Yep, okay, well, um, guess what, dickhead? Um, you've, you've just wasted the last 10 years of your life. You had 10 years to, to, um, to, to pursue that, that goal. And now you have no time. You have no energy because you're, you know, you're, you're a parent now. You have no money because of, and, um, and now you want to pursue one of the, well, statistically hardest jobs in the world to get into. Good luck with that. You're a fucking idiot. And I just began just really hating myself, really disliking myself. And it went for about a few weeks there and I, I, I got to the point where I couldn't sleep at night. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I spoke to a lovely woman at my work and man, you want to talk about trauma. This woman has been through the type of trauma that is just, you know, mm -hmm. a murderous ex-husband. And I use the word murderous technically. Yeah. Um, not metaphorically. Um, and she's just a wonderful human being. And she said to me, Hey, how, how are you feeling? You know, when you say these things to yourself, and I said, well, I feel like shit. She said, well, do you believe him? I said, yeah, well, I do believe him. She said, okay, do you still want to be an actor? Do you still want to pursue these dreams? Yeah, I do. That's why it hurts. Okay. Well, what do you think your chances are of getting there, saying the things that you're saying to yourself and thinking the way that you think about yourself? Well, they're pretty, pretty low. Well, what do you think your chances would be if you could turn, if you could stop that? Well, they'd, they'd be better. All right, well, I think you need to find a way to stop this because if you really want this, you have to be committed to change, <clears throat> excuse me, changing the way that, you, that you're thinking about yourself. She didn't offer me much beyond that, really, but that was kind of, I just needed that wake-up call to sort of mm -hmm. chuck a, a spanner in the, in the spokes of, of this cycle of self-hatred uh, that was going on. So um, having kids... Uh, was sort of like created the pressure in which I realized that my options, that my time had been wasted. And then sort of realizing that I, I still wanted to do this and I still want to be a good father. I still want to, you know, all these things. So do you want to know what I did to, to help myself? Well, yeah, like, I guess that it leads perfectly. These two, so redefine and then redesign is like, we'll get into it, but I guess, one thing, one thing I want to note for our listeners as well, and, you know, people either thinking about having kids or, you know, a lot of our listeners have young kids. I guess one of the things, um, the themes that I've seen with many of the guests that have come on, um, including myself, I have yet to be interviewed for my own podcast, but I definitely relate to the fact that parenthood does change something. There's, you know, like I've had other life experiences, you've had other other life experiences, my guests have, but it's like something about parenthood, all of a sudden you're like, oh shit, what I do matters. Not just to me, like, yeah. you know, it's, yeah. I think that's where that redefining moment of like, oh my gosh, the world is far bigger than I ever thought, you know, and not just my egotistical little bubble anymore. Like what I do freaking matters. And I, need to show that to somebody else because their life will be shaped as well by what I do. So 
huge. I think that's huge for all of us. So, so yes, yeah, so you've had that redefining moment. So how did you redesign? Because I'm curious about like, you know, how you went from having these such negative like thoughts and core beliefs and then going, actually, fuck it, I'm going to pursue my dream. Like, tell me about that journey. It was by accident. Um, I stumbled on, um, on um, a, a meditation teacher. Um, so I just couldn't sleep at night. I was, you know, in bed just thinking, you know, thoughts that weren't very conducive to a, a pleasant night's rest. And um, I, I chucked in um, into YouTube, I chucked in like sleep meditation. And, you know, the algorithms, whatever. I ended up stumbling on, um, it was Eckhart Tolle or uh, mm. Tolle. Um, and uh, it was just, um, it wasn't even really a guided meditation. It was, it was a speech he gave. And um, the, the crux of it was, um, was that um, who you are, um, as defined by um, what you've been through um, and the, the story about what that means about your future and your present. It is a construct. It is a story. That story and what that means is something that you are creating. Um, and if it's something that you're creating, then it's a creation and you are something separate to it because you're the creator of that story. So what are you? If you're not the story, if the story of your identity is not you, then, then what are you? And um, that was begin the journey <laughs> of figuring out at least what I'm not, if not, not, not figuring out what I, what I truly am, because um, then what am I not? And, um, yeah, so I began, I began doing mindfulness meditations and paying attention to the thoughts that I was having and noticing that if I could pay attention to those thoughts, then I wasn't those thoughts because I was, I was the attention at, or at least I was that which was paying attention to them. And once you create that separation, those thoughts don't have such a, a gravitational pull. They're not so heavy. They're not painful. They don't hurt anymore. And so I started feeling a pressure release. I figured that if I couldn't create a story about my future yet, that made me feel good. At the very least, I could stop telling the story that I was telling about my future that made me feel bad. So I started getting in touch with the present moment. Yeah. And um, that was, I started enjoying, just enjoying the moment as it stood. That gave me some space, some space there to actually then, as I went on, create a bit of fun, fun thing to do. Yeah, and I just, um, so much of that story, like there's so many things I want to go off because first of all, Eckhart is just amazing. He he really is. And um, I guess um, for, for people who follow Savasana Collective and what I do, one of my big frameworks I use is something called acceptance and commitment therapy, which, um, yeah, it's a whole framework in and of itself, but um, it incorporates that being in the present moment because you need to create space. Creating space allows room for other things to come in. So that's one. And we also call it the technical term for what you're saying of just that creating space between 
this is the thought and I am having the thought, I am not the thought, is what we call cognitive diffusion. And it's basically realizing like, hey, I'm going to have shitty thoughts that are usually attached to a I'm not good enough story or, you know, I'm not worthy enough story or I'm not lovable story. But that's not me. That's just a radio station that I can choose to listen to or not, you know, but that I can separate myself. And that's such a, a big thing. And it's amazing that you were able to to do that from Eckhart's teachings. I just think he's he's brilliant. So that's I'm so happy you found that. Do you still incorporate that day-to-day -day now? I do. I do. I don't do enough of the, you know, proper sitting down, meditating. Yeah. But just I've created a habit. Because um, once I got momentum going, you know, at first I'd had to do that meditation. I had to sit there and really pay attention and just see, just see how how much was going on in, in, in there, you know, it can be loud. And then, you know, create yeah. So much was going on. And, uh, anyway, and yeah. And then now I just sort of on the regular, just pay close attention to the way I feel as well. I think a great, um, another teach, there's other teachers I listen to as well. Um, and, uh, yeah, just pay attention to the way that I feel. Like if I don't, if I don't feel good. So if I have a, and I'm always paying attention to the, my emotional reaction to, not just the physical world, but really the, 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 the psychic world, the, the thoughts that I'm thinking. And I'm like, whoa, I don't feel good right now. What was that thought? Hmm. hmm. Let's not think that thought anymore. Or let's, let's, what's a better way of reframing that thought? Can I reframe that thought in a, because the thought's a story, right? Can I tell a better story? Um, you know, um, and I try to do that regularly with all, all the time. And it helps with the work that I do as well. You walk, walk into a situation which is, uh, you know, a shit show. And it's like, there's a fear there. Oh, dear. How am I going to deal with this? I'm not equipped to deal with this. Um, uh, could I make this worse? Um, all these sorts of things. And then, like, you're thinking, well, well, that's the way, that's, that's, that's generating a feeling which is, which is not good. It's not going to help me okay Andrew before we step in here you know on your way to a job for instance right or even in the middle of a job if you can get really good at it you're like okay it's okay that I don't know exactly what I'm doing I'm here to learn I'm coming here with the best of intentions um uh maybe maybe I can do some good here Maybe I can learn here. Maybe next time I'll do better if I stuff up here. It's okay to make mistakes. You know, like that's, you're reframing the story and then you just, it just makes you feel better because we all know you can't really create something positive from a place of feeling negative. I don't think you can. I mean, at least in my experience, you can't. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so true. Like you've just, if there's something's got to shift, right? Like something has to, something's got to give at some point. <laughs> So, um, so I guess leading on to the real line, which is our final R, which is around, yeah, what do you do sort of, what tools do you use sort of every day to keep sort of calm, content and clear? Um, and I guess a secondary question to that is how do you balance it all? Because one thing that we didn't get to touch on just yet is that the uh, those who 
follow creative pursuits, whether it's artists, like as in, you know, painters, or whether it's filmmakers or script writers like yourself as well, or anything like that. It's a scary road to take because it's not certain compared to, let's say, a mundane nine to five regular job. Tell me how you keep realigned now to keep clear, calm and content, as well as balancing the constant uncertainty of the creative world. Tell me that. So, well, that's a great question, Sheena. <laughs> that's, a, that's a lot there. Prepare for a bloody I'm ready. ramble. Okay. We've got time. I'm ready. I mean, all right. Some of the words that stood out for me there were, were alignment and uncertainty. Uncertainty, the fear of the fear of the unknown is what well, really it's the biggest one of the biggest fears we have, right? And it's like, well, look, there's so many variables in the universe anyway. It's it's an endless universe. The variables are endless. Like you can't fixate on getting everything right all the time. You, you're just paralysis by analysis. You won't get anything done. You have to accept that that you're not going to get it right. You're not going to get it perfect. But so long as you're getting it better, that's progress. And better and progress depends on your goal. And if you can set a goal that excites you, that really is the biggest motivator. You know, rather than a dog chomping at your ass, you know, uh, people, you know, bad, rather than a stick, sometimes that works for some people. I'm not one of those people uh, where it's like, oh, you know, things are getting so bad, you better change. I mean, sometimes, yeah, but really for me, it's like what excites me. It's like you need, you need a goal that pulls you towards it. A goal that, that when you, when you can, if you can envision it strongly enough, it pulls you towards it. And, and if you have, if you're single-minded in that, or if you're committed to that, because it excites you, the possibility that it represents for you, and it's not the goal, it's, it's who you become through the pursuit of that goal. Like, it's, it really is the old cliche, it's the journey, not the goal. Cliches, they're cliches for a reason, because mm -hmm. they're, they're bloody true. That's why they stick around. Um, if someone tells you a cliche, don't dismiss it. They just told you a piece of truth. Um, yeah. Generally, generally speaking, um, in my opinion. So, like, yeah, it's like if you have a goal, you need to be able to formulate a goal that excites you enough. And it's not the end. It's not just receiving that goal. It's it's who you will have to become through that. And if you can just accept that you're going to fail along the way towards that, it's not quite so scary. And, and regarding tools, you have the greatest tool at your disposal, I believe, and that is your body. And you have something that has been termed by some teachers as a emotional guidance system. Uh, this is just, this is my, it's become a belief to mm -hmm. me because it's been evidence you know, through my own life. And it just came to keep, keep becoming more and more true. Is that you got a GPS? GPS tells you, you know, it's like that game where someone says, you know, you, know, you hide something in the room and you got to look around for it. And someone says, oh, warmer, warmer, yeah. warmer, oh, colder, colder, colder. The way that you feel, if something, if a thought's making you feel relaxed, well, that's warmer. It makes you feel calmer, that's warm. It makes you feel a little bit excited, or then that's that's hotter, hotter, hotter. It makes you feel really excited and joyful. You are your body is telling you, your entire physiology is telling you that you are heading on the right track. 
you know, you, you don't have to understand every variable, just keep following your emotional guidance system. That's been true for me and many people that I listen to have been through much, much worse than I've been through. Um, any thoughts on that? I'm, I'm curious because I 100% agree. It's like a lot, a lot of some of the things that I work with, with people and I'm constantly on a journey of it myself um, that I share with my people on my Instagram. They've seen the journey I've been on is um, listening to your gut, like listening to that intuition and that instinct. Um, and yeah, so many different ways of tapping into it, but I guess part of my journey and still continues to be part of my journey is that when I was much younger, I was all head. Like I would only think with my, my logical brain um, or my emotive brain, but I wasn't listening to that intuition, you know, that gut. Yeah. Like I just, it's like, I just didn't know how to tap into it or I was just too busy. Like, you know, numbing with food or alcohol or just busyness. Like I, I didn't yep. create the space to tap in and that took time. That took learning. I'm still learning every day. Um, and I as well found Process. that path through mindfulness and meditation. Like that really got me to that intuitive space again, but it's not easy. And so do you think that those Eckhart teachings were that thing that redesigned yes. you to that point where you can tap into that space? That's right. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Right on the money. Eckhart, um, Muji, uh, M-O-O-J-I is another spiritual teacher who's very helpful. Sam Harris, um, uh, is mm. a neuro neuroscientist. Um, has spent a lot of time studying and, and doing meditation. He doesn't come at it from a spiritual perspective. He comes from it from a scientific perspective. So if you're someone who's put off by woo-woo, then um, just listen to the science on it. Mm. Um, this stuff works. It helps you to disconnect from the thoughts in your mind. You know, the brain is a useful thing. It's not like we're asking, yeah, you're telling you to, to advising you to stop thinking. The, the brain is a powerful tool, but any tool can be used. It, it, you can cut yourself with it. You know what I mean? You can, you can, you can, destroy yourself with your own brain if you don't you know pay attention to it and, and sort of you know maintain it properly it becomes like a, a car that's full of you know um, rotten oil and all i'm not a mechanic mm. <laughs> i get what um, you're saying yeah. yeah we get it but yeah no you're so right if you want to get in touch with that intuition that gut feeling as you said you've got to learn to disconnect a little from from the the brain um, uh, or at least from those thought patterns. And what, what we realize is that so much of what we think is not, we're not even thinking the thoughts, they're thinking us, they're happening to us. It's, it's, it's a pattern of being. And, and when you start to, you know, start to pay attention, you're like, holy shit, would you shut up? Like, you know, like that's, I don't even want to think that thought. Like, it's just, I'm not even choosing to think. You're not choosing, you're, most of the time we're on autopilot. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so, yeah, if you want to get in touch with that, with the 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 wisdom of of your your entire physiology, you've got to access it. And if you're stuck up here, then you're sort of like a bottleneck, you know. Like you got you got to let your awareness come down into your entire body. And I think like body scan is body scanning is another useful um, meditation thing. I started doing that recently. Uh, that's really cool. That's really helpful. But yeah. I think that, you know, 
there is a wisdom in your body. It's, it's so much more powerful than the wisdom in your brain. Your brain is very limited. It's uh, not, not you speaking, uh, you specifically. Um, <laughs> you, you have a wonderful mind, Tina, as, as yeah. we all do. But, you know, it's also it could be a terrible mind if you let it be. It's, and it's not as wonderful as it can be if it's not integrated into the physiology. No. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I think that um, you know, I'll hold that thought. Um, I wanted to just touch on, uh, go back to that question, which we keep missing, which is what you were saying about how do you balance, you know, being a really involved parent, doing the job that you got and following and pursuing your Yeah, it's like the manic, it's like, it sounds like you listen to your gut, you listen to your intuition, you know how to separate yourself from the thoughts. And it sounds like all of that is helping with what I was asking about, which is that uncertainty, like more, I think you're more prepared than most people in 2020, because 2020 has been the most uncertain year, I think a lot of people have experienced. And for creatives like yourself, there's always uncertain. When's the next job going to come? When's the next thing going to come? When do we have to prepare? I think uh, it takes a lot of skills to balance that. So I'm curious, like, how it all came together that you think you manage uncertainty. If you can take uncertainty as an opportunity to let go, then it becomes a positive. That's what I've been getting really good at, trusting trusting your secretary just brought you some some water there oh no my dog is like all over the place (laughs) you have a well-trained dog that's fantastic i can't get my kids to bring me water anyway um you know like what was i saying okay let me give you an example 2020 and it's going to piss some people off this is going to piss a lot of people off who had a bad 2020 2020 has been the best year of my life And I'm going to tell you why it was the best year of my life, because I decided that it was going to be. I told Jodalyn, which is my my, my wonderful wife, I said to her, listen, there is so much uncertainty at the moment when this, when COVID hit, Mm. there is a, if you, you know, think about the collective consciousness, which is just the sum total of, of everyone's minds, what, what they are thinking and what they are putting out into the world. There is so much anxiety, so much fear at the moment, right? The stream of collective consciousness is a churning river rapid with deep running currents of anxiety. And if you so much as dip your toes in that river, you will be swept away. And there goes 2020 for you. Prepare to think what everyone else thinks. That 2020 is the worst year in human history, which is just statistically ridiculous. I mean, honestly, if you look at any of the world, any of the years in the world wars, you could think otherwise, but let's not get into yeah. that. Like, look, seriously, I said, I said to my wife, look, we cannot afford to dip our feet in that. Um, we have to decide how we are going to be and how vigilant we're going to be this year with our thoughts. You know, please come on board with me with this. I didn't, I didn't really have to ask. Joe was like, absolutely. This is an opportunity opportunity for us if this is what i'm saying adversity forces you to make a decision mm. it's like are you going to like just like uh, it's like the same with the parenthood thing it's like oh oh shit the walls are closing all around me i better make a decision i better get vigilant 
I better start taking control of the way that I think and the way that you think and the way that you feel and the beliefs that you hold will dictate the opportunities that you are able to perceive. Mm-hmm. So if you're busy thinking the 2020s are right off, well, I guess your 2020s are right off. But if you made a conscious decision and you can make one any moment, the 2020 could be, or what's left of it could be the best year of your life. Mm-hmm. Then it could be, well, this week could be the best week of your life. And it's all not about the things that happen around you. It's about the way that you can feel inside about them. Yeah. And um, yeah, there goes, there's my rant, but I feel very strongly about that. And um, man, I've got the proof in the pudding, like yeah. Joe and I as a collective force, the opportunities have come from nowhere. I have tried and efforted, efforted less than I have ever in my whole life. And career wise, creative wise, financial wise, relationship wise, family life wise, letting go and trusting, trusting in, in my body as, as a part of the universe. We think we're separate, but you think Mm -hmm. you're just like, like there's you in the universe, dude, you are the universe. So is, you know, like you're not separate. You were created by the universe. Every element in your body is that is going to return to the universe. You just, a momentary piece of the universe experiencing itself as, as consciousness. And so when you, yeah, but because the brain makes us feel separate, when you can, when you can quieten that a little bit, you start to really listen to your body. You realize that your body is, is, is responding to the sum total of all things and telling you which direction to take, which like, like don't go down that road. Like literally that road, don't go down it. I don't know. It doesn't feel right. Don't make that phone call right now if you don't feel good inside mm-hmm. of you, sleep on it, you know, don't have that conversation right now. If you're, if you're churned up inside, yeah. you know, it's your body's telling you these things, but you can't listen to your body. If your mind is in control all the time. Yeah. Well, and I think as well, leading on to that, like you mentioned earlier in our chat is that failure is part of it. Right. Like if you just accept the fact that whatever you do, you're going to have failures along the way, you're exactly right. It just takes the scariness out of it. You know, it's kind of, I guess one of the things that we, I talk about a lot in this business and on this podcast is like, guess what? We are all going to have shitty days. We're all going to have shitty moments, shitty months, maybe shittier, shittier years than others, but that is part of it. And like, it takes the power power out of something when you know that that's just part of the journey you know so like what you're saying I think with the uncertainty as well is that if you go into any situation think it's thinking that it's going to be perfect and then failure hits that is going to hit you so much harder than if you expected failure to just be part of the journey to begin with yeah you're prepared to be disappointed like inevitably (laughs) yeah exactly like hope for the best prepare for the worst and Keep going, right? Be open to the best as well. Be open to the full spectrum and trust that even the worst can serve you. You know, I have, I fall down all the time. Um, I have a, an ongoing relationship with cigarettes. Um, and, um, you know, I'll quit for six months and then I'll, I'll, I'll start up again. And it's like, you know, what's going on there? I mean, Think about it, a self-destructive behavior. And um, 
I got to the point where I quit so many times, I was scared of quitting again. I didn't want to let myself down again. So I, um, but I really, really wanted to, and I've been practicing trusting and accepting my faults and accepting that they're part of my journey and part of my growth and not hating myself for doing something so stupid as smoking cigarettes when I have three beautiful children I need to, I need to be here for. Because if I'm busy hating myself, I know where that leads. It leads nowhere. So I kept, I kept on smoking and I, and I was doing it lovingly and enjoyingly. And it was um, still trusting that when the time is right, it didn't feel right. My body was telling me it wasn't right yet. You're not ready to try again, Andrew. And then you know what happened? I caught, I, I, um, I got gastro. The whole, the whole house got gastro oh, about two weeks ago. I mean, I'm more scared of gastro than COVID, man. <laughs> Honestly, I think we all are. When I vomit, when I, I, when I vomit, it is a full body experience. It's like every cell in my body, like wringing out a sponge. I, the neighbours are traumatised. I swear the neighbours will never talk to me again. They are traumatised by what they must have heard. Like I, I would vomit. I'd almost pass out with my head in the toilet bowl. I'm almost blacking out. And um, like not, not an, I couldn't even take a breath in. I'd take half a breath and then I'd be vomiting again. And I'd turn around and there's my little, my daughter, like two-year-old daughter. And my kid's standing there like, yeah, you okay, Daddy? <laughs> and I mean, like, I just felt like like death walking. Well, not walking. I kept, I couldn't walk. I kept passing out. You know, almost passing out on my feet. Two days. But I have a belief that life is happening for me. It's not happening to me. That that's 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 what I've decided. The story story that I've decided to cultivate by creating some space in my brain and then choosing what I'm going to fill that space with. Life is happening for me. It's not happening to me. Even the negative. Yeah, and most of the time, some of the time, I can actually, I can, uh, I can, I can feel that and believe that. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? This, this, I feel like death. Somehow, this is here to serve me. I don't, I don't have to know. You don't have to know how. Intellectually, you don't have to know how this is going to help you. That's not the point. You're just trying to create some space in your body and your brain. So here's how it helped me. I had to rebuild. My body was destroyed, man. I knew I had to start eating healthy and I had to be very careful about what I ate. I had to get nutrients in me. Started off with just electrolytes, couldn't eat. And then I'm like, okay, well, I have to rebuild. I can't smoke a cigarette without vomiting. I've gone two days without cigarette now. Feeling okay about that. Well, if I'm going to rebuild, why don't I capitalize on that momentum? Why don't I create momentum? Why don't I just keep rebuilding? And guess what? My birthday is just a week around the corner. So on my birthday, I made a decision. After a week, I finally felt good again, normal again on my birthday. And I said, you know what? I'm going to keep this momentum up. And for one year, no cigarettes. That's all. Don't put pressure on yourself, Andrew. Don't say forever if that doesn't feel right to you. <laughs> yeah. You know, well, what feels right. So the next year is going to be, is, is just, uh, my goal is is just the process. My goal is the process of improving myself physically and mentally. And so that would never have happened if I hadn't had this cataclysmic near-death experience of vomiting the contents of my <laughs> my shattered body out into the to the toilet. So yeah, yeah. again, yeah. your body is talking to you, just like we've spoken about. So. 
I actually have to say this chat, I've just, there's so many moments where I'm like, oh my gosh, that's great. And so many gems of knowledge and wisdom and the storytelling. I just, I've loved our chat today. So thank you so I much. I love telling stories. That's why I'm a filmmaker because it's, it's just, you get to tell stories. A script writer. So, you know, before we finish up today, if people want to connect or find you, where can they find you? Uh, I, I suppose um, on Facebook uh, is the best way and they can, um, I don't, I don't do um, Twitter or anything like that because it's a cesspool of negativity <laughs> and um, putrid, uh, poisonous. Um, yep. So I'll just, I, I just, while I haven't done it yet, I'll, I'll, I'll stay away from it. Um, anyway, Facebook um, also pretty bad, but I don't interact on Facebook anymore unless it's private, really. So Andrew Ian Pope on Facebook, if you'd like to connect with me, um, for whatever reason, feel free to do so. Always happy to connect with other souls um what else um oh there's instagram i think they're connected through facebook i think facebook owns everything now um <laughs> and i guess that's about it really awesome yeah. well thank you again for our wonderful chat i know i'm going to be getting a lot of messages about this one so i will talk to you real soon and i cannot wait to hear what stories come out of the world that is uh andrew ian pope so thanks for today oh well likewise sheena thank you you're doing a cool thing here and um and a good job of it and it's really fun and thanks for giving me the opportunity to to talk about myself so it's fun. <laughs> oh you're a legend all right talk to you later bye okay see you mate Didn't I tell you there'd be amazing gems in this one? So let's just cover some of them. Uh, creating space with things like mindfulness and meditation and, you know, being really conscious about your thought processes is huge. Uh, being aware of your thought processes, again, like huge to separate yourself from I am the thought to I am a person having this thought, that differentiation and that cognitive diffusion that I spoke about uh, is huge. So Andrew was right on the money with that. I think I've seen so many changes in people from recognizing that. So huge takeaway. Uh, the other thing is embracing the fact that failure and bad times are part of the journey. Uh, I shared with Andrew in this how I have had some interesting times lately and part of that is because, yeah, you set expectations and also you don't create space. So when you just accept that failure is going to happen, it takes the pressure out of things. And when you accept the, the ever-changing landscape, like things are going to be unexpected, they're not going to live up to expectations sometimes and failure is part of it that definitely takes the pressure out and you need to create space for yourself and for your mind. That's really huge and just so important. So what a great chat that was. If you enjoyed that chat as much as I did, make sure you reach out to myself or to Andrew and share your gems. I'd love to share with him how much you got out of it and we will see you very soon. So take care of yourselves, be kind to each other, and we'll see you next episode. Thank you. Bye.